This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. This is Vancouver Consumer. In a moment, we'll be checking in with John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. The big news this past week for travelers was that fully vaccinated Canadians will finally be allowed to drive into the U.S. again starting in November. And that's great news for businesses in Point Roberts who desperately need Canadians to start visiting. But Nick Kaniski, the son of wrestling great Gene Kaniski, is the longtime owner of Kaniski's Reef Tavern in Point Roberts, and he has some concerns. He says the change is all well and good for snowbirds heading to Palm Springs for a month, but day trippers to places like Point Roberts may be turned off by the idea of spending money to have a COVID-19 test to get back into Canada. You don't need a test to get into the United States. It's the coming back into Canada that requires it. And the trouble with the test, it's a $200 test. So Kaniski figures it just won't be worth it for most Canadians who used to come into Point Roberts to fill up the car, maybe have lunch, buy some groceries, and then come home the same day. Unlike air travel, where you need proof of a negative COVID-19 test before boarding a flight to enter the U.S., no testing will be required to enter the U.S. by land or sea, provided the travelers are double vaxxed. And one of the people who will be first in line to drive over the Peace Arch border crossing is a Coquitlam granddad who has missed nearly two years of milestones in his young grandson's life. After 19 months of uncertainty and separation, Minor Campos is celebrating the news that the U.S. has opened the highway border crossings. Campos lives just a few hours away from his daughter and grandson Camillo, who are in Seattle. But because of the extended border closure... He's not been able to visit them in the U.S. TransLink is sharing its vision for the next three decades, which includes a mass expansion of the rapid transit network. The plan is dubbed Transport 2050, and it envisions the rapid transit network growing by 310 kilometers between now and then. So that means more sky trains, more rapid buses, and potentially some light rail. I don't know, 30 years from now, I was I was hoping they'd have perfected the beam me up Scotty technology, but uh, not so. Former Vancouver city planner Brent Todirian describes the plan as ambitious, and he says he's excited to see a plan for electric vehicles in the works. However, Todirian says paying for it will be expensive, and he hopes the money will be there to make TransLink's goals a reality. A Coquitlam church that protested against a ban on indoor services last spring has decided to cancel in-person services and is going digital for the next couple of weeks. This is all after 12 members became infected with COVID-19. Currently, three of the members are in hospital and one just recently got out of intensive care. Westwood Community Church pastor Giulio Gabelli, who is unvaccinated, was one of the church members who caught the illness. He told the Tri-City News he is not an anti-vaxxer and didn't get vaccinated because of hesitancy due to difficulties with vaccinations he got for previous trips to Southeast Asia. However, He said he didn't offer vaccine advice either to get it or not to get it to the church members and adds most are vaccinated, including others on his pastoral team. 
But in the spring, the church held a drive-in protest service, which caught uh, a lot of media attention. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And coming up, we're going to talk real estate, guiding us through the opportunities out there in the world of real estate in this very interesting market, a good time to sell a property. We'll talk to John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny SmartPoint, and you can find him on the net at johnnysmartpoint.com. That's all when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And my guest right now is an old friend, John Carlson, 2% Realty, Johnny SmartPoint. JohnnySmartPoint.com is where you can find him on the net. Uh, you can also give him an email at john at JohnnySmartPoint.com. Hello, John. How are you? Hi, Martin. I'm doing great. I hope your Thanksgiving was a good one. Yeah, it was It was very nice. And uh, this weekend, I'm concentrating on staying dry and uh, things are good. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, it might be uh, a, a good time for the, for the market. Are people, are, are people starting to, to wake up from the summer or is it sort of, are they going into hibernation? Are, are things getting busy? You know, things have been busy all year. It's been a, it's been a good market from my point of view, a salesperson's point of view. There's been a lot of activity as we all know, and we've been talking about this all year, the demand side of the equation has been strong, you know, lots of buyers out there. Um, and you asked me if things are waking up from the summer, we had a, we had a pretty good summer as well in terms of sales activity. But I think one of the, one of the stories, um, that, you know, that's kind of in the, in the lead these days about the market is just the inventory levels of, you know, the standing inventory, how many houses are out there for a buyer to choose, um, are, are down statistically. So we're, you know, we're kind of looking at markets that are historically maybe 20% over your 10 year average in terms of the number of sales. So very healthy demand, uh, not crazy like it might've been in the past, but still very healthy. Uh, but the supply side is probably down maybe at least 10 or 15% or maybe 20 even over, you know, the 10 year averages. And, and that really varies depending on your segment. Some segments are, um, a little bit more competitive than others when it comes to competition on the market. So you want to take a look and see what what segment you're in. But, um, you know, the summer season, unfortunately, weather is is now gone. We're into the fall. And traditionally, that fall market is kind of the, you know, the cleanup of the year, the finishing off the year. We've got till, you know, till Christmas. We've got two and a half months, let's say. And uh, typically the, you know, the October, November and up to mid-December market's pretty active. And I think that's going to continue. Um, so I'm, I'm just seeing more or less clear skies ahead in terms of the real estate market. Buyers still will need to be very prepared. Uh, you want to do your homework. You want to be on the ball to make sure you're aware of some of these listings when they, when they hit, depending again on the segment. Uh, but sellers can feel comfortable that the demand for their, for their property is there. And if they handle the sale in the proper way, they can probably, very likely, achieve uh, a sale price that is uh, historically uh, probably the highest it's been of all time in greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Yeah. So it's, it's fair to say it's a seller's market overall. Yes. Yeah, definitely still seller's market. So a good time if you've, if you're thinking of uh, getting in this market and selling a property, uh, get a hold of John, John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. And John, I have someone on the line who you know well, uh, a client of yours, you just sold their house, Linda and Doug, 
And uh, this house is in West Point Gray. And I've got Linda on the phone. Uh, hi, Linda. Hello. Hi. So you and your husband, Doug, uh, you, you had a house for sale and you, you called John Carlson. And uh, first of all, tell me about the situation. This was your family home, right? Yes, it was our family home. My uh, maternal grandfather built the house back in, I guess he started building it in about 1918. So it was, it was a family home since then. Wow, in West Point Grey. In West Point Gray area, yes, yes. Well, that's a, that must have been, a, you know, a, a sort of a heavy thing to, to sell a home like that. Well, yes, it, it was, and knowing going in that most likely um, the house would be torn down, um, even though it was a good, solid home. We knew that uh, the chances of it surviving would be slim to nil, but... Um, that and you know has ended up being the case it will be pulled down but that's the way life goes yeah so you were listening to this show and you heard john on the air and you called john how was that's that that's right <laughs> yes we we heard of john through the show and when we knew the the time was coming for us to get the property listed we decided that we would call to see if he'd be willing to help us with that Mm-hmm. And and he he did. Um, he has been great to work with from the from the very beginning. He's very he's very respectful. Um, he wasn't you know no pressure. wasn't pushy at all. He gave us really good advice on the best way to present the house and you know what what to list it at. And it turned out to be really good. We ended up with multiple offers to to review. Oh, that's great. So it so it was a pretty quick process then. It was very quick and seamless and stress free. It uh, <laughs> we were I, we had the house listed and had an offer accepted in about ten days. So wow. it it was very it was very easy. Yeah, to, and with to, all that's. With all that stuff going on so quickly, uh, it, you 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 say it, it felt good to have someone who was kind of in control, like John. oh, very much so. I um, I he was always there if I had questions to ask, and as I said, he gave he gave us really good advice. Um, kept kept things just calm and and moving along well. Um, he and he and he worked our timetable, knowing that it was a, an estate sale, and we had um, items that needed to be removed from the house before people were going to look at it. He gave us the advice on what should be removed and the time to do it. So it it just time wise, it worked out very well. So you would recommend Johnny Smart Point, John Carlson, to your friends? I would absolutely recommend him to friends. And should the need arise ever again for my husband and I, we would we would certainly look at uh, uh, hiring him again to to help us out. Yeah, yeah well, he congr- was he was wonderful. Well, congratulations on the sale, and uh, and uh, I wish you all the best in the future. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
Well, thank you, Linda. So there you go, John, uh, another satisfied customer. And it seems like every time I talk to one of your customers, the one thing they always say is they didn't feel rushed, which must make you feel good. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a nice common theme that uh, that we hear from some of these clients. And I want to thank you, Linda uh, and Doug. Working with you guys was fantastic. I was very fortunate to be involved. And I'm glad that you um, you didn't feel rushed. In fact, you know, we took our time on this. Um, Linda contacted me back early in the summer and said, hey, you know, John, I've heard you on the radio program. And, uh, you know, I, I think that you might be someone who we could talk to about selling my, my father's house. And this was an estate sale. And of course, uh, this house being so well located and in demand and very few, you know, listings on the market that really could compete with it, you know, was a fantastic listing to be involved in. So, you know, we we talked early in the summer and then as things progressed and, you know, the probate, um, you know, thing had been started uh, and the house would be prepared for sale. We finally hit a time. We decided to wait until after the Labor Day weekend, uh, because the end of August seemed to be a little bit slow with people holidaying and that sort of thing. So we listed it right after the Labor Day weekend and we left about, what, seven, 10 days, something like that for offers. We uh, prepared ourselves well, you know, older homes, you want to do an oil tank scan and make sure you don't have any liabilities there or, you know, things that'll stop buyers from coming forward with everything they have. Um, You know, we showed the home and in the end, you know, we did get quite a few offers and, uh, you know, sitting down with Doug and Linda to go over those offers, um, you know, it went very well. They had a great property. And I think, you know, in the end, uh, I think we probably achieved for that type of product, um, maybe a record price in that neighborhood. And really, it's uh, simply because we worked as a team. Uh, we were prepared. We didn't rush, but we took what we thought were the, uh, the right steps at the right time. And again, the, in the end, the result was great. And there's nothing better uh, for me as a realtor, been doing this 25 years to hear a client, you know, recommend me and say, you know, we would, we would send our friends there um, because, you know, that makes me feel good. It validates what I do. Um, I know that maybe Linda might not have mentioned this, but again, at a 2% commission structure, I know that when we were talking, um, you know, the commission structure was probably about $20,000 different than some of the ed- other agents they talked to. So, um, you know, there's some savings there as well, but you know, it's a compliment almost that, that my clients don't even mention that they're more, uh, impressed or excited or happy with the level of service and the result. And then I think maybe that extra 20 grand or so tax-free money is probably something that's just icing on the cake. So thank you very much, Linda and Doug. Um, great testimonial, love to work for you again. And any listeners out there who might, um, want to talk to me about a prod, uh, a property, I'd be happy to, uh, meet you and maybe follow that same process as well. And I I think, John, you just defined the Johnny Smart Point concept because uh, as everybody knows, you're known as Johnny Smart Point and that's why you're johnnysmartpoint.com because they're getting a top-notch realtor. You have sold uh, more than a thousand properties in the lower mainland. Uh, This was a, a blue chip property in West Point Gray, uh, you got a record price for it, uh, multiple offers. It was done professionally and expertly. And at the same time, it was done at a 2% rate for commission. And like you say, um, like about 20 grand, that's 20 grand after tax money that uh, Linda and Doug saved. So that's that's pretty amazing. So good on you for that. Thank you. And, you know, I got to be careful not to take too much credit because the market is what the market is. And, um, you know, I, my job and the job of the sellers is to work together to make make sure we interpret that market properly. 
And we make our decisions based on that interpretation in terms of pricing and timing and, you know, just how to handle the whole thing. And then, of course, you know, there's there's how you handle multiple offers. But but really, the market is a strong market for sellers. And I think that a a seller's agent and a seller, uh, the big job is to interpret that market and and, you know, act accordingly to your greatest advantage. So it's, again, great to get that. Uh, Let's not forget the market is fantastic. Uh, but my job is to help people take advantage of that market to their to their fullest. So it's a good time to sell if you're thinking of selling and uh, johnnysmartpoint.com is the place to go. And speaking of multiple offers, I was just reading about a house in East Van, uh, a little less than this one, um, and it went for $500,000 over asking. So let's talk a bit about how you deal with uh multiple offers like what are what are the strategies like what are the pitfalls you can get into and what are the the ways to do that the strategies yeah you know that's a great question because obviously the multiple offer situation is um is something that's occurring you know frequently even uh, out there in the market and people often don't understand um how that might work or you know how you set it up so i think that's a good question i think i would start right at the very beginning um before you're even on the market, the multiple offer situation should be the result of a carefully thought out and planned strategy. And that strategy probably, uh, you know, has a lot to do with pricing and timing and how you introduce the property uh, to the market. Um, So it starts, you know, right at at step one, planning for that sort of situation. Now you do want to be prepared to handle what comes down the road in a week or two weeks, whenever you have your offer presentation date. But just to give an example of, you know, of where things started, uh, or where things start with a multiple offer situation. I'll give you another little bit of fresh info. Um, on Wednesday, I have a listing um, in uh, in Aldergrove. And it's a property that we listed um, 10, about 10 days ago, almost two weeks now. And then on Wednesday, just this past Wednesday, we had offer presentation and we had 35 offers on the property. Uh, the, the, um, the sale is still subject to the approval of the public guardian and trustee. And that's a whole other story that you know doesn't need to be told here, but it's basically a firm deal. I can't disclose the price yet, but of course we got much more than the list price with 35 offers. And, and you know where, where this one really started was um, the house itself. And, and I'll say this nicely. I don't think the seller will mind uh, <laughs> was not particularly attractive. And by that, I mean, condition was poor. Uh, we're talking rotten sun decks and, you know, basements that need right. to be gutted and upstairs that need to be gutted. It was a full reno. Right. So how do you make something like that attractive to somebody? You put the right price on it. And that was the first step. The price was very attractive. And there's a lot of people looking for fixer uppers right now. So that did also play into our success. So let's, uh, let's, let's hear more about that. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to hear more about, uh, selling in this market because it, it is a seller's market. It's a good time to sell a property, but there are things you need to be aware of. And we'll have more with John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, you can give him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com or 604-612-0080. We'll be back with more on Vancouver Consumer right after this. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we're talking to Johnny Smartpoint, John Carlson, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com. He is a a realtor. He sold more than a thousand properties in the lower mainland, and uh, he can save you money on commission as well. Uh, And we've been talking about uh, your clients, Linda and Doug. They sold a house in West Point Gray. It was an estate sale, a very uh, sort of 
big, beautiful property in West Point Gray. And uh, you, you may have got a record price for that too. And we're talking about this market because it's the, it's, it's a seller's market. There's no doubt about it. Um, properties are going pretty quickly and for record prices. So um, it's, I mean, it's a good time to sell a house. I, I guess there's nothing more you can say than that. Hey, John? Well, it is. It, it depends on a person's personal timing, of course. And it's especially good if you're selling a house and not buying again, because then the pressure of finding your next place is, is not there playing into your mind as well. But yes, but on the selling side of things, um, it's, it's active. Uh, the prices are high, uh, historically high, and sellers who are handling their sale processes properly and, and doing a good job that way are, are getting very good results. There's, there's no doubt about that. But you also have to remember, um, it's not an unlimited you know, uh, piggy bank, if you will, the market. There, there are homes on the market pretty much in every category, if you go on MLS, that have been on the market for a month or two months and they haven't sold. And maybe, you know, there are other reasons, but maybe some of these properties uh, just maybe don't have the right value proposition in terms of pricing and that sort of thing. So it is still, even in a hot market, it's very important to really consider your pricing and your strategy. Uh, and, you know, before the break, I was alluding to a, a listing that I had in Aldergrove that just got a whole lot of activity, 35 offers. And, uh, you know, when the house itself is not that attractive, sometimes, again, in this segment, we had very little competition. This is a house that was listed for 750 And some of the buyers looking at it were thinking they would tear it down. Others were thinking they would renovate it, but it needed cleanup and it needed a lot of, a lot of work. So in the end, we decided to put a sharp price on it because that's what, you know, attracts the attention and especially when you don't have a whole lot of competition if you can imagine there's only a certain number of people looking to buy in any given area at any given time in any given say price range and segment and right. if you have five listings and one of them is priced really well and, and just as much more appealing than the other that listing is probably going to get virtually all of the interest and get a multiple offer situation begging it up where the one on the other end of the spectrum the fifth best looking one might just sit there because you know, again, it's it's a popularity contest. So how you introduce your property on the market, how you demonstrate the value to buyers, boy, that's another story. How do you show people why they should pay your list price? And that's that's probably a whole new show. Maybe we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But really how you introduce it, how you handle the showings and the offer process right now is critical because there is so much demand and there are buyers out there who reluctantly are willing to pay record prices for some of these homes, you want to make sure you get those people interested and you get them all in a situation at one time where they have to kind of compete against one another to get the property they want. So that's kind of the essence of the multiple offer situation setup. And it works very well for sellers. And I know that buyers will sometimes get frustrated uh, by that. I know there's a lot of buyers who have lost on, on homes and have not bid high enough. Um, but really that's, that's the name of the game when you're looking at uh, the right kind of property in this kind of market, set it up to make sure you don't leave any buyers out who might be able to pay more than the guy that you just talked to, and then give them all a chance to put their best offer forward. So that you start with a sharp price. You mentioned the sharp price, meaning, uh, a, a good price, not overpricing it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and again, that comes down to the segment. If there's nothing in your segment whatsoever and you're a completely unique property, then to some degree, pricing isn't all that relevant. Uh, if you're a, a two bedroom condo uh, of 900 square feet and five years old and there's 35 other listings similar to yours, pricing probably will be a little bit more important. And I'm not suggesting that people, you know, slash prices to ridiculous levels or that they give any money away or leave money on the table when they're selling. 
But when we, when I sit down with clients and I explain to them, okay, here are, here are recent sales and a history of what's been going on in your area. Here's the current lay of the land in terms of there appear to be a, quite a few frustrated buyers who missed out on multiple offers previously, and there's very little listings. There's a built up pent up demand for that kind of property there. Well, at that time we might say, okay, let's look at a list price. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the sale price, but what price makes our listing stand out? And price isn't everything. There's the other side of the equation as well. You want to show the property to its best advantage and, and do all that sort of stuff. But again, setting the table for a value proposition that attracts the majority of the buyers looking in that segment can be a really good strategy. It can pay off really well. John Carlson is our guest. Uh, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. If you go to his website, you can uh, communicate with him there or write him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. Or if you just love the phone, 604-612-0080. And uh, you've just described uh, why it's important to have a realtor with some experience. And uh, also at the same time, the whole Johnny Smart Point concept is you're getting that experience, but you're also uh, getting, getting it for 2%, a 2% realty structure, commission structure, and that can literally save you money. And uh, we're talking about how uh, it's a seller's market. So what do you say to people who, you know, especially people who are selling a property and maybe moving somewhere else, maybe downsizing, it, it seems like it's a great time to do that. Um, what do you say to someone who picks up the phone or, or sends you an email and asks you about, well, we're thinking about it. What, I mean, what's the first thing you would ask them? I mean, we, we talked to, we heard from one of your clients and just like all the other clients, they said they did, you didn't rush them. So, um, so what would you say to that client? No, exactly. You know, that's a good point. And nobody likes to be rushed by a salesperson. So, you know, I'm very sensitive to that and I'm not here to twist anybody's arm or try to push them to do anything. Uh, and you actually mentioned a little bit about uh, contacting me and, and I've had people say, just as an aside, you know, John, I didn't know if I, if I should call your cell number, you're busy and all that sort of thing, but you know what? I, I prefer phone calls. So if somebody's out there listening, 612-0080, feel free to give me a call on my cell phone or text me. It's very easy. Of course you can email me as well. But uh, to answer your question, I mean, I can give you a recent example. Clients that I worked with, uh, you know, eight years ago, maybe when they bought a home uh, out in the Abbotsford area, they've contacted me now saying, hey, you know, we're thinking of moving up country. The job situation is different. Our kids are at a different age. And, you know, all these we're thinking of cashing out and, you know, buying a bigger property with all the proceeds we've made in real estate in, in the local area, et cetera. And, you know, we talked about this and, and this might be applicable to other listeners out there. The idea was, well, look, we know we can sell your home in a week. We're not worried about that. You know, um, of course, when the time comes, we're going to make sure to handle it um, in such a way that we're not in a rush. We want to maximize the price. But the concern to sell is really not a big deal. So they're out actively exploring in other areas. I um, have set them up with a couple different agents in some areas and they're out looking on their own in others. But they're, you know, they're looking for that homestead for retirement. And the idea is this, again, let's make sure we first understand that your home is sellable. Are there any issues with the home that would make it difficult to sell? If not, then let's make sure we at least understand that, you know, the price range that you're likely to sell in so you'll know how much equity you're working with. But from there, it makes no sense sometimes to put a, you know, to put a sign on the yard and sell the property if you don't know where you're going to go. Because first of all, now we're in October and, uh, you know, acreage listings, for instance, don't tend to hit the market that frequently. And October, November, December, January. So the last thing you want to do is sell, uh, get some good money in your pocket, but not have a place to live. So sometimes it makes sense for people to kind of have at least, 
either pick their actual definite landing spot and maybe write an offer on a home with bridge financing or setting longer dates that allow you to sell. Other times it's just going into an area and 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 maybe you see some homes but you're not quite ready to act on them and but you you see what they sell for and you start to get a feeling that hey you know I've got a comfort level that if I do sell my house I will be able to find the kind of thing I'm looking for and if you if you have that sort of comfort level then you can maybe comfortably put your house on the market and look for a sale with some longer dates so again lots of little variables there um, but again, I'm not here to rush anybody. What I'm what I'm here to do is put my 25 years of experience to work for them and give them, you know, everything I can in terms of uh, information and suggestions and advice, and then let them think about that. And you know, we usually meet again and come up with a strategy that works. And when the time is right, the market's there for them. That's the good news. JohnnySmartPoint.com is the website, uh, 604-612-0080, John Carlson. And, and it sounds like you're saying that preparation is the key. And it's kind of interesting what you said uh, about setting them up with other uh, other realtors to buy something. And uh, it's not like you're just there to sell the property and then the person's on their own. You want to set them up. So perhaps you don't sell that property for quite a while but they are prepared. If they find something they like, they pounce on it, they buy it, they're ready to sell right away. That's true. And again, there's always the exceptions that prove the rule. Sometimes people say, you know, I don't care where I'm going to go. This is a great market. I want to cash out. I could stay with my brother. I could do this and that. Well, there's, there's a valid reason too. My job is not to tell people what to do, but to listen to them and to make sure I understand the situation enough to, to give some good suggestions to them. But uh, yeah, again, most of the time for your average family looking to upsize, downsize, buy and sell and combine the two transactions. Remember that the purchasing side might be the trickier part in terms of of getting it done. The selling side is going to be a little bit easier. It's going to be a little bit more rewarding in this kind of a market. But you usually want to make sure that you've, uh, you know, got a roof under your head when the new buyers come and pick up the keys to your house. Yeah. And how, how different are the terms these days? Are, are some people selling their place with, uh, you know, with the, you know, with the provision that they can stay there for six months or something? Does that happen very often? Uh, it can happen. Typically a house or a property that's sold in a, in a, and a, and a buyer moves into it, those buyers often have 90-day interest rate guarantees on their mortgage. And so usually completion will happen around three months or so. But there are exceptions. Sometimes a developer buys a property and wants to rent it back to the original owner because they know that owner will look after it and have no problems. Um, but again, everything is negotiable. I have had, of course, this year, because there's a bit of a bottleneck in terms of not many listings to look at, I've had a few sales where we've asked for five and six month completion dates and, and we've been granted them. So, uh, and sometimes referring back to the house I had in Aldergrove, in this particular case, we knew it was going to be a very, very active listing. And what I did was I published um, just a quick uh, memo on Paragon, which is our realtor MLS site. And I just gave the preferred terms that the seller wanted. You know, we wanted no buyer's conditions. We wanted these dates. Uh, we wanted as is, where is, no cleaning up and that sort of thing. So sometimes you can, you can um, when, when buyers are, have less choice, sometimes you can very gently uh, dictate or at least give them an idea of the terms that you're looking for. And oftentimes, if a buyer can, they will, will comply with that. So everything's negotiable. Um, but again, timing and the money are really the two big things you're looking at. 
Right. And, and, and that's why you need, uh, someone who's, who's done this before <laughs> behind you. And, uh, John has, uh, you've sold a lot of properties in the lower mainland. Uh, I hope to do it a, again too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not, you're not resting on your laurels, but you're looking forward. And, uh, and I thank you so much for talking to us. John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, is the website and it's all there in the website. You can see the listings and everything. You can also email him at john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And we learned something uh, this afternoon that you like the phone call. You do like the phone call. I love the phone call and the text. I like it all, but yeah. Yeah, the text and the phone call and the number, write this down, 604-612-0080. Well, you enjoy the rest of your weekend and uh, best of luck. And uh, we will talk to you soon, John. See you in two weeks. Thanks, Martin. You're very, very welcome. Coming up, billionaires in space. I've got that story coming up next. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and William Shatner was all over the news this past week as he went up into space on a Jeff Bezos rocket. That's as the billionaire space race continues with Bezos, Richard Branson, and Elon Musk all funding space projects. These launches get a lot of criticism. Joy rides for the wealthy, as they've been called. And I don't know how much innovative technology is going to come out of these space tourist flights by the billionaires, but it's worth noting that all the NASA space exploration over the past years has actually paid off in a lot of big and interesting ways in the process of getting to the moon, the International Space Station and all their other exploration, NASA has been forced to invent all sorts of technology to solve the peculiar problems of space exploration, which have translated into stuff that we use here on Earth pretty much every day. In fact, NASA has been such a prolific problem solver that about one in every 1,000 U.S. patents that are granted to someone uh, are those are granted to someone working on a NASA project. For example, what you sleep on memory foam. In the early 1960s, an aeronautical engineer named Charles Yost worked on technology designed to make the Apollo command module and its astronauts uh, a little safer when they were landing. They needed airplane seating that could absorb the energy of crashes and increase the astronauts' chances of survival. And that's the memory foam that we use now. It's also used in football helmets and insoles. And how about scratch-resistant eyeglass lenses. You probably never think of that, but eyeglasses used to be made out of glass. But that would be pretty dangerous if you got you know hit with a baseball wearing glass glasses. But by the 70s, pretty much all lenses were made of plastic. But the trouble is, plastic scratches. That's where NASA scientist Ten- Ted Wydevin came in and using an electric discharge of an organic vapor not sure what that means, but it sounds cool. The resulting coating was very tough and it didn't scratch. And NASA used the concept to develop an abrasion resistant coating for space helmet visors and aerospace equipment. Now, most glasses use that technology. So, your glasses, if you're wearing them, uh, were helped to be developed by NASA. Another thing NASA has perfected is water purification. They figured out a way to filter water for astronauts using filter cartridges that use iodine. And that technology is now used all over the place for municipal water plants. And now 
NASA is making huge headway on turning urine into clean drinking water. So think about that. Uh, NASA making big, big breaks. Some other inventions, hearing aids, insulin pumps. Um, the one thing that NASA did not invent that a lot of people think they did, Tang, the powdered breakfast drink. They did not intro introduce Tang. It was already invented by General Mills, but it did go up to space. John Glenn drank some in space in 1962. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And coming up, we'll talk about your dental health and how it's a big part of your overall health. We'll talk to the folks at BC Perio next, right after the news. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.